as we were thinking about the commissioning and the call um, of, of Dr. John as he's moving into that new place, I thought about what is it to be called? Who does God call? Have you ever heard of people speak about the call of God? It's kind of a churchy word, and I'm called by God. It sounds so ominous and so overwhelming and official. Surely, if someone is called by God, they must have all these credentials. It's a wonder. Can I, and do you ever wonder, because I did, could God use me? See, I was a young teenager when I felt like God had called me into full-time vocational ministry. But what does that even look like? What is that? And God, did you notice? I'm a woman. I don't know if you guys noticed or not. But I, and I thought, can God use women? Can he call them into this place? I was young. I was a teenager. Does God call young people? I didn't know. I was curious about that, and I began to pursue. What does it mean to be called? I wrestled with that, and then I was married, and I had young children, and I thought, can God call and use a stay-at-home mom? Am I just hidden, Lord, from you? Because, you see, I wanted to serve him with all of my heart, but I wondered, can God use me? And some of you all over the world may wonder, can I be used by God? Does God call me? And I imagine if you're like me, you're wondering that. And wondering, maybe I'm too old, you can't use me. Or maybe I'm too young. Maybe I've made too many mistakes. Can God use us? We elevate what is commonly called the call to something really big that only a few people we feel like can serve. Surely God calls only the qualified. And surely I'm not qualified. Do you ever feel that way? I wanted to look at today, who did Jesus call? Who did Jesus call? What were the, the parameters Jesus put on the calling? When he first started his public ministry, he stood up and he understood his purpose. And he said, I'm called to preach and expand the kingdom of God. And then we see him travel to the little village of Galilee in a city called Capernaum. And he began to teach and preach in the synagogues in that area. And he would stand up and he would preach and people were healed and demons were cast out. But you know what? Jesus didn't stay in the synagogue. He went outside into the community. And he began to walk around there and interact with the people. And he met some fishermen along the way. And he didn't want to keep his ministry confined just to the religious place or the religious sector. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 5. It says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into the one of the boats, Jesus asked, 
Simon, who we'll call Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. See, he wanted to be in the water because the crowds were pressing in. This was, if you've ever been on the lake shore, the sound amplifies. My grandson will yell in a place like that. He likes to do it in parking garages too, but out over the water, echo, so we can hear echo, echo, echo back. Jesus pushed out into the water so his word could be heard. And he asked Peter, the owner of the boat, to go with him. But this wasn't his first encounter with Peter. See, Peter had been in the synagogue. His brother Andrew had brought him and introduced him to Peter. And Jesus had even healed Peter's mother-in-law. So Jesus has seen, I mean, Peter has seen Jesus. He's interacted with Jesus. He's had Jesus into his home. But we're going to see Peter have a personal encounter with Jesus where he will be transformed forever. So Jesus went to Peter's place of work. He went to this fisherman. And he said, push out. And he taught the crowds from there. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Peter, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And you get the feeling Peter's like, Master, I mean, sir, we've already done that. We worked hard all night and didn't catch anything. Except Peter's going, "Um, Sir, I understand you're the religious teacher and a carpenter, I hear. I'm the fisherman. And we've already done that. You don't catch fish in the daytime. See, it's warm in the daytime and the fish have gone down deep. And we fish with our nets at night when the fish are at the top. We've repaired our nets. We've dried them. The fishing time has passed. But he says, okay, I'll obey. Because you've asked, I'll do that. And he let down his nets. And when they brought them up, they were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. I am a sinful man. He was awestruck. By the number of fish he had caught. Doesn't Jesus always do more than we expect? Outside of what we even believe can happen. His partners, James and John and the sons of, the sons of Zebedee were with him. And they were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. It was a personal encounter with Jesus that transformed Peter. See, sometimes we're in and around Jesus and we come to church and we participate. But do we really interact with Jesus? Do we really have that personal encounter of transformation. See, Peter responded by leaving everything to follow Jesus. 
Jesus, unlike the other rabbis and teachers of his day, he chose his disciples. He chose Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Peter's brother. Usually it was the disciples. It was the people seeking the teacher. They would look around almost like choosing university. And they would choose who they wanted to follow. Pick me, pick me. And Jesus stepped outside of the norm again. And he chose them. He picked them. See, Jesus sees each of us and he saw them as beautiful, precious stones, maybe rough and just lumps, but he sees the masterpiece within, much like the, the artist sees the sculpture that will emerge. He sees what can be there. He didn't choose usual choices for his disciples. These were not theological professionals. They were fishermen. And then when he added to his number, he added tax collectors and rebel rousers and politicians. One scholar just called them plain old sinners. Later in Acts, the rulers and elders were confounded by these unlearned men as they taught in the temple courtyards. Are they starting to sound a little bit more like me and you? Normal people who worked normal jobs, but allowed Jesus to transform them, allowed Jesus to infuse them. Now, infusion, and we hear, we're hearing a lot about infusion right now with COVID. We get infused with antibodies. For what end? To be better. See, infusion, according to Merriam's dictionary, is to be permeated with something that alters us, usually for the better. To be permeated with something that alters us, usually for the better. I don't know about you, but every morning I get up and I put some coffee grounds in some water and infuse that water so it would be forever changed with my caffeinated beverage of coffee that charges me up in the morning. And some of you, there may be scientists who could extract that coffee back out of the water. But once that change and that infusion takes place, it's coffee. We even changed the name of it. It's permeated it and changed it at the molecular level. And that's what Jesus did to Peter. He encountered Jesus in a personal way that he was infused with him. These men and women were regular people like you and me, and they followed Jesus because they were changed. He chose to call Peter and others because he saw their potential and purpose. He asked them to partner with him in his purpose to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. We're going to focus on Peter a little more closely because he's a representative of the 12 and who Jesus calls. And Peter gives me hope. Because I don't know, maybe this doesn't happen to you, but Peter spoke out of turn pretty often. Peter had a lot to say when he probably should have kept his mouth shut. I'm a preacher. I get, my mouth gets me in trouble a lot. I don't know if that's ever, if that's you or not. 
But Peter always had something to say. He always wanted his opinion heard. So he's walking with Peter. And these are familiar stories. And we won't go there. I just want to just bring them to light again. Peter's walking with his disciples and, and Jesus. And Jesus is talking to them. And he says, who do people say that I am? What are people saying about me? And they say, oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Jesus stops and he looks at him and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter steps forward and he says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you are correct, Peter. On that confession, that understanding that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, I'm going to build my church. We are here today because of that confession that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus begins to tell them that he would have to die for this purpose to be fulfilled. And Peter, because he's the leader now, steps up and says, oh, no, he rebukes the son of God. And I wonder about that moment because it says Jesus turned and looked at him. And I remember it made me think one day I was um, coordinating a, a, a pumpkin patch, a month-long endeavor for a church I was at at the time. You only get talked into that once, and then you know what you're doing, and you say no the next time. But I got talked into coordinating this, and we sold mums and flowers and things like that. And my children were little, uh, preschool age at the time. And my friend who was working with me, her children were too. And the kids kept playing with the moms. And I was like, you have to leave them alone. If you break them, we can't sell them. Then the church has to buy them and we need to sell these things. And this one little girl kept bothering them. And I told her, leave them alone. And she looked at me and she said, you're not my mom. You can't tell me what to do. Now, my son is four and standing right next to that little girl will say this is that little girl and he does this really fast away from her and I wonder if when Peter or if when Jesus turned around and looked at Peter if the other disciples didn't step away like let's let the lightning strike you and Jesus said get thee behind me Satan see he's gone from this you had revelation from God to now you're listening to Satan. For some of us, that would be grounds for dismissal. You're out. You can't be on my team anymore. Look what you did. And Jesus said no. And he just continued to walk with Peter. Later on, we see a great day of ministry. And Jesus has gone to infuse himself because he was fully God and fully man, to be refreshed in the presence of God. And he sends his disciples across the Sea of Galilee ahead of him. And he says, I can catch up with them. And at the midnight watch, he starts walking on the water towards them. And they see him and they go, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. Jesus is like, no, it's me. And Peter said, if it's you, again, challenging that authority, if it's you. Tell me I can come out. And Jesus said, come on out, Peter. Come on out. And Peter came out. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And Jesus once again 
didn't just let him sink. Come on, Peter. He pulled him up, put them in the boat, and said, you have little faith. But he began to continue to walk with them and to teach them. And then at the end, we see Peter. They're having dinner together. It's what we call the Last Supper. And Jesus, when they come in, is going to wash their feet. Peter's like, oh, no, no, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, I have to do this. And then he's like, okay, then wash all of me. Peter's like, up and down, and here we are. And then later, Jesus is telling them again, this is the end. I'm going to die tonight. I'm going to trial tonight. I'm going to be taken in. And Peter's like, never. I will never desert you. And Jesus just looks at him and says, Peter, before this night is over, you will deny me three times. And we know that he does. We're familiar with that. Peter denies him. I cannot comprehend the anguish Peter must have felt. He denied Christ. But I wonder if you've ever been there in that place where you feel like I've failed so much. I've messed up so many times. I could never be called. I could never be used. There's no hope for me. Have you ever been there? You've placed your trust solidly in Jesus. You've made promises to yourself and to God. And then you failed. You messed up. You're embarrassed and you mark yourself off and you say, I'm just going to fly under the radar now. I'm just going to be a participant now. Because God can't use me. There's no hope. Perhaps you just consign yourself to sitting quietly in services, privately questioning if Jesus can ever use you again. And maybe that's what Peter was feeling. He had seen the resurrected Jesus. He had been with Thomas when Thomas touched his scars. He had seen Jesus eat, walk through walls. Jesus said, meet me in Galilee. Peter went back. I'm sure with anticipation, Jesus told me to meet him here. And he went back. And he did what he knew to do. I, I wonder if he was thinking, this is all over. I don't know where we go from here, but I need to put some food in the table. And he gets in his boat and he begins to fish. And all of a sudden, as they're finishing up fishing, somebody is on the shore. And I don't know if any of you are fishermen. My dad was a fisherman. And they call out to one another, are you catching anything? And they're like, no, we haven't caught anything. And the person on the shore says, put your nets on the other side. Do you think they all perked up? Could this be? And they put their nets on the other side. And they can't even barely pull the load up of fish. Peter's like, it's Jesus. And he can't even wait for the boat to get in. He jumps in the water and swims to the shore and has a meal with Jesus. 
And then Jesus pulls him aside. Hey, Peter, let's talk. Hey, Peter, come walk with me for a minute. And see, do you remember when Peter understood who Jesus was? Each time, infused and transformed, Jesus said, follow me. And then the second time when he said, you are the Christ, he said, on this, I'm going to build my church. But I wonder if Peter thought all was lost. And in this moment, Jesus pursued Peter. Let's take a walk, Peter. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Jesus didn't give up on Peter. He didn't say, dude, you have messed up so many times. There's no hope. There's no hope for you. No, he said, Gee, Peter, I still have that plan and purpose for you. I still am continuing to walk with you. See, Jesus doesn't expect you to be perfect. He doesn't expect you to get it right every time. But he does expect you to walk with him. Because he says, I see your potential and I have a purpose to preach the kingdom of God and I choose you to be a part of that. All of you. Some of us are vocationally called. We, this is my job. But all of you who know Jesus are called to the place that Jesus has specifically and uniquely placed you. You will encounter people in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, and in your family that any of us who are ministers of the gospel never will. And God has uniquely placed you there and commissioned you to partner with him in purpose for the work of the kingdom. He calls us to be infused with him first, transformed so that we are better. How do we do that? through his word and through prayer and through fellowship. See, Jesus looks at you and says, I have purpose for you, no matter what you think of yourself. I have purpose for you. You're not too young and you're not too old. And you haven't messed up too many times. Because if you're willing to fall at the feet of Jesus, or if you've never done that, this may be today, you online, this may be the first time that you're like, I get it. I want to fall at the feet of Jesus. This is the time to do that. Because he says, you are called. I'm pursuing you while you're a sinner, while you're broken, while you're messed up. You don't have to do anything to earn a place with me. Just come to me and I will restore you. I will infuse you to be the masterpiece God created you to be. Each of us equipped to do the work of the kingdom and advance his mission in Dallas and in the whole metropolitan area for which we are about to commission this family today as you expand your kingdom work. But it can't just be 
these pastors. Each of you in the seat is called to expand the kingdom of God. Each of you are called and have a perspective and a place that we can't go. So I wonder what it would look like if tomorrow morning we woke up, including our vo us vocational pastors, and said, Jesus, how do I fulfill your purpose in the kingdom today? How do I partner with you and use my full potential to advance your kingdom? This is your opportunity to do that each of us every day. So before we commission this family, I would like you to bow your heads if you would like. We are about the kingdom business, purposed together. So if today you're like, I, I need to renew that commitment I either have never partnered with Jesus or I need to redo that. I want to fall at Jesus' feet today. Would you raise your hands or acknowledge in some way and let me know? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now I wonder if there's any of you here today or online that you would say, Lord, I'm fully devoted but I haven't been fully walking as a called person in your kingdom. Lord, restore that purpose in me. Give me kingdom eyes to see my call is to reflect you wherever I am. If you would like that, and you're like, I commit, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, you have seen the hands raised. You have seen the decisions made. And I pray, Father, for those who raise their hand to know you for the first time, that they would understand that you died for them. You came and pursued relationship with them. And as they fully fall at your feet, they give themselves to you and say, I want to follow you, Jesus. Forgive me, and I accept all that you have in Jesus' name. And Lord, for those who lifted their hands and said, I want to be that worker in your kingdom, fully pursuing the potential and the purpose you have for me as your partner to expand the kingdom of God, equip us, Lord, equip us. Give us your eyes to see those who are broken around us and give us the words to speak love and encouragement and Jesus into their lives. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.